Welcome to Tech Talk Nation, talking about the latest tech, industry news, and hot topics. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Visit our website at techtalknation.com. Good morning and welcome to Tech Talk Nation. I'm your host, Matt Fitzgerald, and today we have a wonderful show for you today. Uh, we have a bunch of great topics that we're going to be taking a look at, and we're going to have a great time. So hope this makes your Sunday morning a little bit better. If you're not watching this on Sunday, thanks for tuning in. Love to have you here, and uh, we are looking forward to just getting right into it. So today we have a special guest host of Ryan. Uh, he's a frequent contributor on the show. And Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? I am doing very well. And uh, Happy Pi Day to you. Oh yeah, it is Pi Day. That's right. It is uh, uh, March 14th, 3.14. Um, and for all of you who don't know, Pi is the uh, constant for circles that makes everything work uh, in the simplest way we can explain it. So, yep. Cool. So with that, I think we're just going to get right into it. Um, Ryan, you had the uh, first article for today? Uh, yes. The first thing was just like, it's another uh, test or SpaceX rather, not Tesla. Okay. It's easy to mix up Elon Musk's various uh, doings. but Ah, uh, yes. They had a launch uh, this morning, I believe. If I... Yeah, this morning. Ah, definitely. Yeah. I thought I read something about that on, uh, or actually I remember seeing that. So here, let me pull up the article yeah, real quick their, here. It is their Falcon 9 orbital rocket. Mm -hmm. uh, they launched it at like six in the morning today. Yeah. 601 and Eastern. I think if I remember correctly, they're dropping their Starlink satellites, uh, around a lot of different places. Yep, they had uh they did 60 Starlink satellites and you could you could see this guy here. I just think this is so cool to watch where you can see the and they just kind of kind of float off low key just just real slowly just there they go. Goodbye. <laughs> right. Funny story about this actually. So, I couldn't sleep at all last night. Like it was not good. Um, so I actually wound up watching this launch in its entirety. <laughs> so, um, I was just sitting there and, uh, I think I dozed off for the actual launch bit, which was a, a shame, but I, I had my phone next to my bed and I was just kind of, uh, like I, I woke up and then I saw that they, the, they had the, the normal map that they show where they show where the, the thing is in the world. And, uh. It was it was super cool to see. I mean, I always love seeing a good rocket launch. I'm not sure about you. Oh, absolutely. I think they landed too this time. Yeah, yeah. Here, Safely. let's see. They without explosions. Without explosions. That's that's always a good yeah. good bit. Uh, it says the Falcon 9 first stage proceeded to land on space SpaceX's drone ship. Of course, I still love you, which was positioned in the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, a record ninth successful launch and landing for that single booster. That is that is great yeah, to hear. Really, it's really starting to look like they can just do this consistently. Right. Without having to build new rockets every single time. I mean, I'm not complaining. I get to see more rocket launches. Oh, it's a, well, I mean, it's amazing for them because they can now do this so much cheaper because they've just done it. Or they can just reuse stuff because it doesn't explode anymore. 
Right, that's a plus. And eventually, hopefully with the starship, they're going to get to that point where they can actually do that and things won't explode, which is always a plus. Um, yes, and they did also drop off their Starlink satellites too, which are, if I remember correctly, that's their initiative to basically have satellite-based internet, which would be amazing. Yeah, and uh, it's it's really cool too because some of my friends and I actually got an invite to the their beta program. Uh, as well to kind of kind of get everything set up. I haven't done it yet because I don't want to fork out the like five hundred dollars it is for the the kit to get started. Uh, but long story short, it's basically the epitome, in my opinion, of um, rural uh, rural internet because all of the current options out there for satellite internet are very limited or very latent or not really. Um, doing a great job here for the the masses. Uh, what Starlink's doing is they're just putting a bunch of satellites in the sky, and it helps when your CEO also runs a rocket company. Um, and it is very much like a, uh, what do you call it? Horizontal. Horizontal integration. Businesses. Yeah, that's yeah. And uh, <laughs> basically, um, yeah, so... What they're trying to do is they're trying to get everybody connected to the internet uh, wherever you may be. As long as you can see the sky, you could get internet. Um, and one of the cool things with that, too, is in this beta program, some of the people that I've uh, talked to who've already worked with this have been seeing speeds of like 100 megabits per second down from something in rural is amazing. Yeah, to, to put that into perspective, you can barely get 5 or 25 like with the with the highest packages yeah, I've, of rural. I've lived pretty much out in the desert, kind of in the middle of nowhere before, and you're getting twelve maybe. Right. On a good day, thirteen. <laughs> right, and to put that into perspective, a, nor a normal household internet connection nowadays is like fifty hundred, thereabouts, um, and this is going to be really great too, especially for areas where internet isn't necessarily accessible and the infrastructure to physically allow the internet to work isn't there. Like a lot of the areas um, in very rural um, Africa and Asia is where they were really kind of taking a look to, to see if there's something there. Um, even in the U S yeah. mm -hmm. no, no worries. I was going to say, even in the U S there's a lot of rural areas that barely have electricity, let alone, uh, let alone internet. So great to see this initiative coming along yeah it's actually funny it's i believe uh a bill was just introduced to the house uh concerning like access to internet and all that and it's kind of like a funny counterpoint that tesla was or not tesla sorry spacex really elon musk is what i'm talking about here was just like oh no we'll just do this mm -hmm. we'll just create something that actually like makes it easy at internet if you don't already have it without having to relay in infrastructure exactly and there's you always have these these things going through um the whatever polit political house or whatever with uh like like rural internet or municipal fiber or all sorts of um basically trying to get internet access to people and it's great when something like this is able to happen uh I mean, granted, it is a private company, and a lot of people have their thoughts on that, but uh, they're taking this endeavor to do it, and I applaud them for even trying. I mean, 
It's one thing to get a rocket yeah, up into space. Be better than the internet they're going to get. That's for sure. It's it's one thing to get a rocket into space. Uh, it's another thing to bring internet into space, and it's another thing to land the rocket that got the internet to space. So right nine times in a row which is absolutely insane and it is um super cool to to see that uh coming along here so um <laughs> great to see this all righty so the next article i have um and this is going to be probably surprise to nobody um but i have an article from the verge here and this article is about a judge ruling Google has to face a lawsuit that claims it tracks users even in incognito mode. And what that, with uh, for people who don't know, basically what incognito mode is, is it's a setting in Chrome in which um, websites aren't supposed to track you or um, they don't leave any tracking cookies after you close the window or your your history isn't supposed to be saved on your computer. But... Uh, it's, it's funny whenever you open up a window within that, basically it tells you, Hey, we're not going to save any of this stuff on the computer, but we're going to save it. Uh, like whatever websites you visit may save it. So, um, I'm not sure how you feel on that one, Ryan. Uh, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of everything Google does, but, uh, I mean, I understand that they're not, it's kind of difficult sometimes to like really block out the ability of third parties to do things, but it really feels like they just did that to do it, mm -hmm. the incognito thing. And they really, because their business model is based on ads and third party services more or less. Right. So it kind of does feel like they just purposely didn't bring it to anyone's attention that oh no we're still like you can still have ads follow you stuff companies follow you we're just not gonna save your history is like really all it's doing exactly exactly like the 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 main conundrum here is all right i'm i open up incognito mode i go now and visit google's website all right google now sees that the internet address in which i'm visiting it from and the and they know that, hey, the traffic's coming from this specific area. We've seen traffic like this in the past before. Um, so they can, you, they can put two and two together that way. So can any other website, even though even if you are browsing it in incognito mode. And that's why a lot of people are becoming proponents of VPNs or virtual private networks, whereas basically you send all your traffic through a tunnel to another server, and then that server sends it out to wherever it needs to go. So that's... that's... Yeah, it does feel like it's... They don't do even close to a good job of disclosing this at all, and it's... Uh... I don't know. I find it quite annoying. Like, if you, I just want companies to say, "Listen, this is what it actually does." You know, make a choice. But there's no money in that. No, there's not. It's much easier to not tell them that. Oh, it's still following you, and ads can still play, and you still make money, and all that. Right, right. It's it's funny. You uh, there were. I have to applaud Apple. Actually, they had a really good uh commercial series a couple months back. And it was basically about like data privacy and stuff like that. And uh, I, I still remember uh, 
they had a couple scenes in the commercial where one person was on a bus and just like saying, my credit card number is three, three, eight, five, eight. And just like random stuff. And then, uh, somebody else was in a park with a megaphone and said, my social security number is, and I'm like, Oh geez. I mean, a little extreme, but I like the effort. And basically it was a campaign on like, Hey, iPhones don't track you as much as Google does basically as a little, a little backhand to, I find it hard to believe that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they, they probably do their own thing. That's a little, arguably a little more secure. Uh, who, who knows unless you're an insider over there. Um, but I mean, it was weird. I mean, when I, you can't know unless you see every bit of code is open source. You can't know what it's actually doing. Right. I, I downloaded my, my Google account like a backup the other day just to take a look. And uh, in total, like it says your account storage in the bottom. Um, and it's like whatever out of 15 gigs that you get for free. Uh, I have a bit in Google Photos too. So prob maybe, I don't know what, like 40 gigs, 50 gigs maybe. Um, the entire archive was 280 gigs. Oh my God. Yeah. So it, it downloaded everything and it was really interesting too, because it showed me every single YouTube search I've ever done, every single email I've ever gotten. And it was, it was insane. I mean, I still haven't gone through all of it. Just, I just wanted to get some stuff off of, off of the, uh, the account, uh, and take a backup, but man, digging into that will definitely be a, uh, a lot yeah and uh i i have my uh my little nas here that i use to store all my files and i'm just like wow this is eating up 250 gigs of space like think think about that i mean granted i may have a bigger account than a lot of people because of my google photos usage but think about that if you have millions and millions and millions of accounts that's a lot of storage. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the storage is easily in the tens of bytes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'd argue maybe even exabytes. Or so, or pay, is it, it's peta than exo. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's a lot. <laughs> Need to know my, uh, my Greek here a little bit, but... <laughs> Anyway, getting getting back to this article, basically, it says three people filed a complaint back in June alleging that Google has a pervasive data tracking business, and its tracking persists yeah. even if users take steps to prevent their private information, such as using incognito mode or private browsing within other browsers. The lawsuit seeks $5 billion. Yeah, that might be a little much, but... <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a, a little bit much, but <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with that there too, because their, their money is, is data. And even with a lot of devices too, um, and open source soft, well, mostly open source software like Android, um, people are at least able to review what, what's going into it. Okay. We're not explicitly tracking your data here. We're not doing this here. And, um, manufacturers are able to make their own changes to the OS before throwing it on a phone. Uh, with Google search, you don't see what's going on in the back end there. So uh, that's where I think a lot of people are getting a little concerned because um, even if you are in incognito mode and you click a link on a, on a Google website, 
it'll pop up a warning telling you, hey, you're going to go to this website, uh, click here. And they do that on purpose because that allows Google now to register that click that you, the person at whatever IP address you're, you're attacking, like you're connecting from click that specific link and then uh, they can use that to do other things even even run non-descript ads one of the other uh implications that i've seen too is that's also how they they uh market this as oh we're just keeping track of it for to find what people are are searching for and better improve the search and it's like Yes, that that's part of it, but where's the rest of it? What what's the rest of that coming from? There's there's an ulterior motive here, people. <laughs> Just like how Google Photos all of a sudden it was free for a long long time and then in June, we'll we'll talk about this probably in a future episode, but long story short in June, they're going to cut their store your storage down to 15 gigs. So people were able to throw all their pictures and everything in there and now they're going to get shafted. I mean, I get it though. Oh, I completely get it. Free too much free especially thing. Especially photos are so much storage. Oh yeah, and my on my DSLR each picture is like 20 something megabytes, I believe, if I if I shoot in raw. So like it's so the price of like disk-based uh storage right now though. I'm pretty sure you can get 5 terabytes for like Sixty dollars or so, thereabouts. Yeah, some somewhere around yeah. there. But um, it's just slightly more work. Right, right. But the main the main reasoning that people are kind of saying this happened is uh, Google got enough data for their uh, image recognition AI, and they mm. built an image recognition AI based on photos within Google Photos. Because all of a sudden, if you search for things now within Google Photos relevant images will pop up. Like if you search building, all of a sudden all the pictures of buildings will pop up. If you search dog, all the pictures of dogs. Yeah. And they they added this the maybe a couple months ago when I when I took a look at it. But um yeah that's that's kind of crazy. I thought it's been doing that for a long time. Not not as advanced as I've seen it though. That's that's the thing. Maybe it's been improved a lot since I last saw it, but for sure. I mean, it's it's definitely one of those things where, hmm, they, they were doing something. So whatever it may be, uh, let's just hope it doesn't get out of control here. <laughs> it is Google, though, so uh, such is life here. All righty. Well, kind of moving on to our next article here. Um, there is an article that I found on Fox News. Uh, basically saying that smart glasses are starting to finally show promise as another tech gadget. Um, I don't know how I feel about this. Basically, uh, long story short, there's a bunch of all these random little startups that basically want to make smart wearable glasses. Uh, we, we saw this in the past with things like uh, Snapchat and stuff like that. And I just don't know how that's going to work out in the long run. How do you feel about that, Ryan? Uh, I mean, I wear glasses, obviously, all the time. Cheers to being blind. Yes. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I I don't think. I think what you, what you need to make them like actually useful, which is like almost a whole AR overlay, 
Mm-hmm. It's just it takes up too much space and it's like too much processing power for I think anyone to like realistically put it into a, a comfortable pair of glasses. Right. Even even Google Glass when they had that they had like this it was like a little box that was basically next to your eye at all times. Yeah, that was a tiny, tiny uh window that they could use basically augmented reality over. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 crazy to think though. Um, I, I definitely see the point. You got that, like, uh, like Tony Stark vision there where you can like all the AR stuff within the yeah. Iron Man suit. I mean, that would be super cool and everything, but like you say, there's all those challenges with, um, doing that even projection or screen technology at this point. Like, would you really put like a, a screen over the full, incl- like your full eye, or would it be a projector, like a little projector or in Google glasses case, just a little tiny screen in the corner? So yeah, I think it needs to actually project onto the glass to be, I don't know, safe and useful. Right. But uh, <laughs> I always seem to see know. these these random projects on like Instructables or eHow or any of those random websites, just kind of being like, "Hey, you can make a a little like uh." smart glasses and basically what they do is they take like a little tiny screen and put it up in the top corner of your eye and print some useful information like temperature or things that your watch is supposed to do for you um but i i don't know i mean i can see this becoming a bigger trend in the future i just don't think we're there yet i mean yeah i don't know what you want from your glasses uh you can have, I guess, bone conduction probably. You can like basically have your glasses be headphones. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else though would actually be super useful short of actually having a big overlay. Yeah, I I just don't know that that that's the thing. You, what what do you do? <laughs> yeah, I got the like Google Glass. Like, oh, you can have your directions up on your glasses. That'd be useful for driving and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I still feel like you want more than just like a tiny, tiny corner. At least I do. Right. Right. Plus, plus, I mean, like we kind of said too, the frames are a little, a little uh, bulky too. Like here, let me go back to the the thing here. Yeah, you can see like that. That is a thick, thick, uh, oh, uh, yeah. band right there. And like they and they try, fit. yeah, they you try to play battery. it off with the. Mm-hmm. And with the uh, the the thicker the thicker frame around the lens itself, they kind of try to play that off a little bit, but mm. they they are big, and especially with the lighting here, I don't I think they're purposefully lighting the picture this way to make it look smaller than it actually is. Um, but I don't know. That's just that's just a uh, a thought for me at least, because even in this picture here, it it does look thicker. Like the the actual assembly here at the Brit at the uh yeah um the hinge. Although it looks like they are claiming that it's going to be full AR, which would be interesting. Which would be interesting. Rich three yeah. D virtual information within arm's reach. Contextually aware AI. I mean, any AI is technically contextually aware, like an image recognition AI. It knows if there's a cat here or <laughs> not a cat here. So <laughs> that's yeah, just like you're saying. They look. It looks like they have a back band that has to wrap around the back of your head. Right. They're really thick. Right. And I mean, that's obviously to fit just the huge number of things they're going to need. They're going to need batteries, you know, processors, a GPU probably to handle 
uh, 3D rendering and processing and all that. Right. It's a lot in a very little frame. Right. Definitely. And the other interesting thing is having a magnet, more or less, strapped. Yeah. Let me, let me try again. <laughs> uh, the other interesting thing is that uh, your glasses might heat up, basically, because you have a processor in your glasses now. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. And it depends where yeah. they put the battery as well. And especially, like, what's your discharge on that battery? Is it going to be mm. start getting warm as it discharges? And, I mean, think about, too, especially with people who live in colder climates. Like, if you're going to be outside, your glasses are going to be outside and exposed to the elements. Like, mm. with a phone, usually it's in your pocket when you're you're outside or in your hands surrounded by something that's warm. Uh, with glasses, you're just, they're just going to be on your face. And I know sometimes when, uh, like it gets real cold where I'm at and, uh, basically you take off your glasses and you're like, wow, that's, that's cold. Like after you get in the house, <laughs> needless to mention, they fog up, but, uh, such as yeah, life. I mean, the other thing is controls and whatnot. Uh, I know I have a pair of headphones that has like basically touch controls on them. Mm-hmm. And just every time the weather drops, it just, they stop working. They stop working altogether, more or less. Yeah, I could, I could see that because the capacitance on the on the sensor just isn't there because of the, the lack of... Yeah, uh, it's a common problem, too, with everyone who makes them. Right. It's not one of those things that you could uh, uh, just take real easily. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not, a, not an easy problem to solve. That's for sure. All right. Yeah, it remains to be seen. I still think it's it has a long way to come. Right. Right. I, I I agree with that. I think this is a very immature technology at this point. Not to say that it's childish per se, but it's it's one of those things where uh, it's immature. It still needs development. There still needs to be a lot of research done into uh, battery technology, the way in which the um uh like the human interaction with that. I mean, I know in some cases there's been some research into like eye tracking and things like that to, to see like where you're looking and think on the glasses. Uh, but we'll see if that actually goes through and gets anywhere. Um, let's see. Yeah. There's too much. I don't know. There's it's so much. Cause even if you do eye tracking, you don't always have your glasses in the same position on your face. Right. Sometimes they go down, sometimes they go up, sometimes they bend a little and they end up, I don't know, realigning differently. Also, it's just, it's a mess. Right. And I don't know about you, at least, but for, for me, I'm a very clumsy guy. So if I, if I face yes, plant, yes. I would absolutely hate to um, uh, just destroy like a $6,000 pair of glasses or something like that. I mean, Google Glass right now, it says in here is retailing for uh, nearly twelve hundred dollars at CDW right now. So that's a new phone. Exactly, exactly. Like, and for a very, very, in my opinion, half baked technology, I don't think that's worth it at all. And even it, even when it does become feasible and we start to see these in the market a little more, I'd just be super cautious and super careful before I get one because uh, I know even if you. Uh, like I get up and I fall out of bed or something and I accidentally take my glasses with me has happened once before. So rip my, 
old pair of glasses. But I'll have mine just fall off my face. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm a pretty relatively tall guy. So like six feet, I mean, that's a, that's a fair drop distance. It's not like it's out of the pocket where it's like halfway up, maybe, maybe three, four feet. But, uh, like this, it's falling off your face. Like that is a full six foot drop. Probably not going to be, uh, really good. Um, with that, I mean, granted, most of these lenses that are that are normally in glasses are like polycarbonate or something to where they're relatively impact resistant, um, but they're not like ridiculous. So, <laughs> so that's that's yeah. my technology's got a way to come. Yeah, right, definitely. Well, Ryan, you have any other uh, articles to show before I get to my last one? Uh, I do not believe so. All righty. Well, let's talk about clams. All righty. So the keen among you may have been like, hmm, why is the episode called Happy as a Clam? Uh, well, there is a lot of reasoning behind that. And this isn't necessarily news per se, uh, but I found this out on Reddit the other day and I had to do more research because it was just so outlandish. Uh, but long story short, um, there are, there are, um, water treatment plants in Poland that use clams, uh, as full engineering sensors. Uh, so I found this article on Hackaday. This wasn't the one that was linked to from Reddit. I forget the original user in which, um, they were able to do, but I didn't realize this was a full thing. Long story short, uh, clams have a they close whenever they they sense a certain toxin in the water and what engineers have been able to do is hook that up to the um hook that up to a computer sensor a little trigger here where you can see basically there's like a magnet on top of the clam and then a, a hall effect sensor there or something um so the sensor will detect when the clam shell is closed and when it's open um, and they close when they, t they detect that toxin in the water. So it's, it's just fascinating. And I, I, <laughs> I didn't think this was really a thing until I was reading more about it. W what's your thoughts on that, Ryan? <laughs> I mean, it's, I love it. It's clever and just kind of hilarious. It's, it looks like it's just a simple, it's not even like a hall effect sensor or anything. It's literally just a circuit. Exactly. Yeah. If the clams You're... open. It's closed. If the clams not open, it is. Yeah, and that's it. And like, it doesn't. Yeah. And it, it's really cool too because it said uh, several municipalities along the Mississippi River installed clam-based sensors in 2015, and another system was installed in the Anacostia River estuary in 2011. Um, these are uh, Polish director produced a doc. There's a documentary on this. I'm gonna have to watch that. Um, <laughs> basically how it's uh it won a vivo award interesting um the the simple electrical contact there and it closes when the shell is is shut and the oh there's one in illinois huh uh but basically one of the 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 uh article i was reading off of reddit uh was was saying that the clams themselves were obviously not the sole uh decision maker here with the um with the machinery because things could happen god forbid something happened to the clams um but what wound up what 
they said is they have eight clams in a um basically in a, a a bin not a bin per se but like a like a sensor area um if one of them if one of the clams closes uh they they just kind of write it off they're like oh the clams going to sleep or whatever just doing something uh if like four of them close it triggers like a like a system warning and then if all eight of them close it just shuts off the water supply completely so <laughs> i mean granted yes you could rely on the 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 chemical sensors and the engineered stuff but it's one of those things where it's like it just works like if it ain't broke don't fix it i i yeah it's almost definitely cheaper than the huge array of sensors you'd have to create to like take the water sample it figure out what's in it right and i mean i don't even consider it that harmful to the clams because they're living a good life they're uh getting all the nutrition and everything they need to survive and they're helping a lot of other people be safe. So they're really doing a wonderful Yeah, well, if service. I'm remembering anything about clams correctly, is it's, they're just surface, or not surface, rather, filter feeders. Exactly, exactly. And so literally, it's probably, I don't even think they'd notice having just an electrical lead on their back. Right, right. And I, I don't think they can even feel the, the shell itself. I think they only, that it's like, like a nail. You can't no. necessarily feel the nail on your hand. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure they can't. But yeah, it's it's super cool. And there is a uh, the University of Wisconsin had a muscle project in January 2010. That is funny. But um, yeah, it's it's I I find it interesting because we're using the skill of a clam in this case um, to be able to detect something that we can't. Uh, to help out the rest of humanity, and we're bringing in electronics and the way that computers work into it, and allowing the clams to be a major decision factor in a decision in which a human may may it may take hours for something when you take a water sample or something like that to to actually get the results. I mean, I'm I'm no water expert here, but um, imagine just kind of seeing an array at a computer and just like eight clams on the screen and then like the system going into full lockdown when you see like the clams have closed the clams have closed <laughs> so i mean it's definitely one of those things where like someone probably had this like crazy complex solution like all right we're gonna filter this we're gonna figure out how much of like each element's in the water we're gonna do this and some other really clever person was like why don't we just why don't we just put electrical sensors on clams? <laughs> I, I I just want to imagine that board meeting for a second. And you have you have some senior engineer up there presenting, going like, "All right, so this is the process that my team and I have engineered, and we've been able to reverse uh, reverse engineer this this chemical out of the water just to make sure that our uh, testing system is efficient." And then some some guy in the corner just raises his hand and goes, "What about clams?" <laughs> what if we just used clams instead? So it's I I like like I said, it's just it's crude and it works. Let's just hot glue the sensor to the back of a clam. Let's let's see how it works. <laughs> um but yeah, so that that is all uh all about clams and uh and I know this article made me happy as a clam at least to read because it was just so out there and uh just I love seeing the weird ways that people utilize technology just because 
I, whenever, um, I was in school, we'd always have these, these people who would just over engineer the heck out of a problem and, uh, make something way, way more complex than it needs Uh to be. And, uh, in this case, literally the solution was hot gluing a magnet to the back of a clam. Oh, I, I hear you. You're good. I got you. But, um, yeah, so let me go back to the article here. Um, clam-shaped under... I've written about a clam-shaped underwater sensor. Weird. Um, but, yeah, there's a simple electrical contact. Closes the circuit based when the shell is clamped shut. Um, system in Poland uses eight clams. When four or more clams are in agreement, the system automatically shuts down and alerts the operators. These clams only work for three months, after which they are worked. They are put into retirement with a mark, so they won't be required to serve again. So uh, they do their service, and then they get to uh, live a nice retired life back at um, the uh, wherever they they procure these muscles from. <laughs> so I'm not sure if uh, Ryan is back with us yet. You doing good? Alrighty, it looks like he is still working to get his audio um, finished up here. But this also brings up another good point, too, because it says here, too, up until 18, uh, 1986, canaries were used as carbon monoxide detectors uh, when they were still able to uh, go to into the mines and stuff like that just to basically determine whether there was carbon monoxide in the mine itself. I'm not necessarily sure if this was just due to the um, amount of uh, the, uh, uh, like the technology sensing at the time or where it wasn't commercially feasible to have a carbon dioxide sensor or carbon monoxide sensor on every single person at all times. Uh, and it was just economical to have the canary here. In addition, it says food tasters are still used by some heads of state. Uh, don't want to get some of that uh, bad stuff in, in your food. And uh, in a way, they're kind of like a clam here. They're doing the, the thing that um, and alerting humans to things that shouldn't happen. Same thing with the canary here. So let's check back in over here. Get out, got that figured out, Ryan, yet? Or uh, still hanging in there? Let me check to make sure. Okay. Supposedly, I'm still transmitting, so I'm not sure if you could hear me yet, but um, let me see if I could find one more quick article while he gets that uh, while he gets that figured out here. It's funny. If you search tech news on a uh, uh, Google here, you get all the stuff for Texas Tech, which is kind of funny. Um, but such is life. Now, there's a lot of op-eds here. I try to stay a little bit away from those just because of the uh, because of the fact I want to try and uh, just have a good laugh on the show mainly and just go over some random cool tech news. Um, but looks like um, 
looks like Ryan is down with audio completely, unfortunately. Um, so I think that brings our show to a uh, conclusion for today. Um, we will, uh, let me, let me text him real quick. But with that, I'm going to bring the show to a close. And uh, basically, once Ryan gets my text, uh, thank him so much for joining today. Thank you all for watching. And uh, with that, we're going to bring the show to a close. There it is. <laughs> and with that, we're going to bring the show to a close for today. And uh, we hope to see you next week for more Tech Doc Nation. Thanks so much and have a great day. Thank you for listening to Tech Talk Nation. Tune in next week for more discussion on the latest in tech.